Crossroads family, it is good to see you. Want to say a special hello to the uh, Crossroads family in Hayward. Let's give them a round of applause. Glad you guys are here. Uh, Like Paul said, my name is Edward, and I used to be one of the pastors here serving as a high school uh, pastor six years ago. It has been six years, believe it or not, uh, since I used to serve in the high school ministry. Uh, Brian Cooley was just a wee little boy back then. And now he's playing the guitar. It is incredible. And so uh, for those of you who don't know me, I was sent out of the Movement Church six years ago to plant, uh, uh, sent out of Crossroads Church to plant the Movement Church six years ago in Oakland, California. And so we meet in East Oakland and we have uh, been going now for a little over five years. And the good news that I have to share with you today, super excited that uh, next year we'll actually be planting a church ourselves. We'll be planting another church that will serve in the community of Oakland. And we're super excited about that. Uh, Before I jump into the message, I just want to just take a few moments to honor your pastor, Pastor Paul McGovern. How many of you love and appreciate Pastor Paul? Come on. When I came here six years ago, he took a chance on a young kid who didn't have a college degree, who didn't have a seminary degree, and who still doesn't have a seminary degree, frankly. Hopefully that doesn't undermine my ability to share with you here this morning or for you to take me seriously. But he took a chance on me and he invested in me for over two and a half years. And I'll never forget him ordaining me as a pastor and sending me and my family and our team out. And I just wanna say you are blessed to have Paul and Karen and Dwayne and the whole team here leading you. You have excellent leadership. You are blessed. Uh, My life has been changed. There, and I wanna let you know, there is a community in Oakland. There's a church being formed. There's people being saved. There's a ministry being done because your pastor, Pastor Paul, I still see him as a pastor, uh, had the faith, the faith in God to see a calling on a young man's life. And so I honor him and I thank him for that. Now I do have to say though, Pastor Paul, if you ever do watch this message, to bring me back after, I haven't been here for six years, and then you're gonna bring me back and preach from the topic, bridging the great racial divide, Pastor Paul, I just want to say thanks a lot. (laughs) Thanks a lot. I mean, you could have had me talk about grace. You could have had me talk about, I don't know, friendship. But instead, you brought me to talk about bridging the great racial divide. And so I know this is, uh, can be a topic that could be sensitive. Uh, We come from all different backgrounds. We all have different feelings about this. And so I want to start right off and to tell you, just in case you don't know why a message like this matters, this message matters today, um, and it should be up on the screen here. Why does this matter? Because racism and discrimination on the basis of race and ethnicity is a problem outside and inside the church. Racism is a problem both inside and outside of the church. Now, I'm not a sociologist, okay? So I don't understand all the nuances of culture, race, and ethnicity. I'm just a local pastor who has encountered 
people who have struggled with racism, both Christian and non-Christian alike. But I'm not only a pastor who has encountered people who have struggled with racism. Myself, as a pastor, I'm sorry, but I'm here to tell you that I have dealt with racism myself. (gasps) Uh Uh-oh. I'm a a Filipino-American, but I have dealt with racism uh, not only towards white people, because I think many times we think that the, the race issue is one between whites and minorities, but I think it's so much more nuanced than that. I've had racist feelings and racist uh, undertones towards people who were white, but I've also had racist feelings towards minorities as well. I've also had racist feelings towards people in my own race who come from maybe a different segment of where uh, uh, they, they might be just different Filipinos. They're not the type of Filipino that I'm the most comfortable with. And maybe there's some laughing because maybe there's some connection that racism can come up in so many different ways, shapes, and forms. And, and just one of the ways I want us to all connect, because some of you are thinking right now, this is not my problem. I'm not racist. Well, okay. There are probably instances where you say stuff like this. Why do those people act like that? Why do they do that? So just for you, before we go any further, just have in your mind, who are those people? Who is the them that gets under your skin? And when you see them acting like that, you put yourself at an arm's distance because you can't understand. Why do they always do those things? We all have these feelings. Now, this is a problem particularly inside the church because our message is a message of love. 1 John 4, 7, and 8 says this, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves God is a child of God, and anyone, uh, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone, let's read this together. Who does not love does not know God, for God is love. The message of Christianity is a message at its basis of love. And so if we have uh, issues with racism, we're not acting in accordance with our Heavenly Father God, who is a God of love. At the top of your outlines there, Andy Stanley, he has a quote. He says it this way. He says, to celebrate God's love for me while withholding my love from the person next to me, whom he loves just as much as me, is the epitome of hypocrisy. And so we just have to center around for just a moment how we could all be super hypocritical. We're going to claim God's love for us, but in the very next breath, if there's the them or the they that, that rubs us the wrong way, we will treat them as if God doesn't love them just as he loves us. There's a problem there. And so how can we come in alignment with the love that God has for us and then extending that to people who are different from us? That's the question that we have today. In the outline, how are we gonna attack this issue? 
uh, I'm just going to give you three big ideas about God and race. Three big ideas, sing a, a closing song, give you an opportunity to respond, and, and we'll be out of here for today. Three big ideas about God and race. And so we're going to give you a scripture, we're going to give you an interpretation of that scripture, and then we're going to give you an application of that scripture, of that big idea, one time, two times, three times, and then we're done. How does that sound? Is everyone okay? If you're okay, say I'm okay. All right, let's look at the first big idea, Genesis 1.27. To wrap our heads around what God has to say about race, we've got to go to the very beginning, the creation account. And for those of you who might not believe in a creator God, just hang with me. I know everyone here, you know, that might be a stumbling block already. Ah, see, I don't even, I can't pay attention. I don't believe that God created the heavens. Okay, just hang with me. I think you might like this verse. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. How many of you have heard that scripture before, read that scripture before? This scripture is incredible. It introduces what uh, commentators and biblical scholars call the Imago Dei. The Imago Dei. And so the biblical interpretation of this passage right here on the next slide is simply this. We are all like God. We are made, you are made in the image of Almighty God. I don't know how many of you come today here with a low self-esteem or you feel down and out about who you look or who you are or even the ethnicity you are. I just want to let you know, you, where you sit, you are made in the image of the God of the heavens and the earth. The same God who created the heavens and the earth, you are made in his image. And the person next to you is made in him. I know some of you spouses are like, nah, you don't know my, my husband. You don't know my wife. No, they're made in the image of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are made in the image of God. This is a big deal. Now, we aren't God. Let's, let's make sure we know that very clearly. You're not God. Turn to your spouse. Say, you're not God. Turn to your neighbor. You're not God. Okay. But we are all like God. And so from that interpretation of that text, I want to give you the first big idea. Uh, you could fill in the blanks on your outline there. Though our ethnicity may be different, every person's likeness is the same. We are all God-like. Chinese, Korean, African American, white, Hispanic, though we are all different in our ethnicities, our likeness is all the same. We are all godlike. C.S. Lewis says it this way There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. And I just want you to think about the person in your life, the them, the they. They are more like you than you think. <laughs> and you are more like them than you think. And they are more like God than you think. Why? Because we are all made in the image of God. Are you guys tracking with me? Amen. So here's the application. 
I should love you even though I don't like you because ultimately at the deepest part of you, you're like me. You follow that? I want you to think of those people that you don't like. I want you to think of that segment, that race, that, that part of your race, the white people you don't like, the black people you don't like, the Hispanic people you don't like. They are like you, and you are like them. And so we should like them, because they're like us. Any of you confused yet? And I think this is huge. I mean, I, I think the reason why we don't like people is because we don't think they're like us or we're like them. You are so different. Why do you eat that way? Why do you talk that way? Why is the level of your, your volume that way? Why are you so quiet and reserved? Why are you like that? Well, on the outside, we definitely may be very different because we're all made in the image of God. We're more like each other than not. I hope that helps somebody today. Now, Who's ready for big idea number two? Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So what happens is we have the creation account. Adam and Eve are made in the image of God. And then they go on to take of the fruit. Sin enters into the world. And now we have a problem. The problem is called sin. And because of this sin problem, man has a desire to, to be God. They were made in the image of God. And this is where we trip up. We're all made in the image of God. Where we get it wrong is when we want to be God. We, we want to take control. And so what happens is God destroys uh, humanity through the flood and Noah is left and his family. So we've got one ethnic group at this point, Noah's family basically. And Noah's family, they procreate and they procreate and they procreate don't ask me to explain that don't ask me to explain that and there's a group of people that start building a tower in Genesis and so I want to take us in to this narrative in the book of Genesis from which we will draw our second big idea at one time all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words so for those of you who are here and you say, man, if there was just only white people, this place would be so much better. If we were all just black, it'd be just so much better. If it was all just my race and my people, it would be so much better. Let me just tell you, that's how it was. And what happened? As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, Let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. Thanks for the details, Moses. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. Why did they want to do this? This will make us famous. And you thought you were the only one who wanted to be famous. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. God saw it. He said, look, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come. 
Let's go down. And just, you know, just for free here. Let's go down. You know, God isn't schizophrenic. This is the Trinitarian God from the beginning of time. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, perfect relationship. Let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. This is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. Is that where we get, why are you babbling, maybe? Different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. So there was a time when there was one ethnicity, one language, and God said, this is not working out very well. They are using this one language to communicate into such a way that they want to be God. They want to build this tower up into the heavens. So here's the interpretation really quick. When one ethnicity was the reality, man's prominence was the priority and a plausibility. It's a lot of peas there. When there was one ethnicity, prominence is what man wanted. Prominence is what humankind wanted. And not only did they want it, but it was their priority and it was possible. God said, if I, I look back there, he says, uh, let me make sure. He says, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Like if we don't do something about this, they're, they're going to uh, pursue this prominence for maybe the rest of their lives. So here's the big idea, big idea number two. Variety of ethnicity and culture is a good idea because it is a God idea. To not value diversity of ethnicity is to discredit a perfect creation of God. When God sent people from Babel and he scattered them, this was him creating ethnicity and culture, confusing the language. This was God's idea. So when we're racist and when we keep people at an arm's distance because of their different race and ethnicity and their culture, we are discrediting a perfect creation of God. This was God's idea. Everyone say, race, race, race was God's idea. God's idea. Ethnicity, repeat after me, ethnicity, ethnicity. Was, God's was God's idea. So here's the application. If you desire on your outline to love what God loves and value what God values, love your ethnicity. Love other ethnicities. Why? God created them. God created them. Now, I want to stop here for a moment. I, I want to talk to my, my white friends for just a second. Where are my white friends at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. It's okay. It's okay. Uh-oh. What is he going to say? Okay. We, we are in a time and we are in a culture and in the Bay Area where, man, unfortunately, it's not really cool to be white right now. It's not cool to be white right now because there is this uh, resurgence of, of how white people are treating others of other ethnicities. 
And, and I just want to say this because I know at least uh, in, in some, a millennial culture and just in general, there are some people who have like backed off of and are not proud of, of their ethnicity as white people. And I just want to say to you, if you're white in the room, God made you as a white person. Praise God for your ethnicity. Praise God for it. Now, I want to talk to my minority folks for just a minute. Where are my, my minority folks at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, here's the problem, minority folks. We can be just as racist as the white folks because our response to their racism is racism. And so we think we could call them out and we could say this and we could talk about all this, that, and the other and then in doing so, we are acting in the same way, if not worse. Minority folks, it is not, your, your racism towards white people is not cute. It is not honoring to God. Does that mean your feelings are invalid? Absolutely not. Does it mean your experience is invalid? Absolutely not. But to respond with hatred, to respond by keeping people at an arm's distance is not God's will for your life. Um, who knows when the next time I'm going to be invited back to preach. So I'm just going to put it all out here and I'm just going to head back to Oakland. Okay. Are you guys with me so far? All right. So I want to encourage the white folks. I want to encourage you, you know, you are not responsible for the sins of your forefathers. You are not responsible for it, but you are responsible for understanding the implications of it. You are responsible for being sensitive to the implications of it. But man, I, I just embrace who you are, whatever culture you are, and then to my minority friends, we can't respond to racism with racism. That's not God's will. Now... Big idea number three as we prepare to close. A very important question to set up big idea number three. How can Christians, if you're not a believer in this room, it's okay, you can hang along, you know, follow along, but this is a word specifically to believers. How can Christians guard against an unhealthy nationalism or an unhealthy pride in our ethnicity that can lead to racism? Because if, okay, you're telling me to embrace my race, embrace my ethnicity, this is something God created, well, how can we be sure that that doesn't turn into something unhealthy? And so we're going to go to Galatians. Um, it may have been misprinted in your notes, I'm not sure, but not Genesis 3, 26 through 28. It's Galatians 3, 26 through 28. You got it? You're good? Okay. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, reading to the church, uh, writing to the church at Galatia, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all, let's read this together, one in Christ Jesus. Now, what? There is no longer Jew or Gentile? So what? Am I not supposed to own and be proud of the ethnicity that I have? 
slave or free? Am I not supposed to be aware of and proud of my occupation and what I do, male or female? Wait a minute. Are we doing away with gender? No, that's not what this is saying. Let me unpack this with just two ways to kind of interpret this. Number one, biblical interpretation. Christians don't identify themselves primarily by their nation of origin. We identify ourselves primarily by the origin of our righteousness. To be found in Christ. When the scripture says there is no longer slave or free, Greek or Jew, male or female, what the scripture is saying is that's no longer the primary identifier of who you are. The primary identifier is no longer your nation of origin, it's the origin of where righteousness comes from and where does righteousness come from? Jesus Christ, Christ alone. Another way we could look at it is uh, saying it this way. As Christians, though we are grateful for the unique blood of our ethnicity, we are united through the shed blood of our Christ. What is more valuable to you? What are you more proud of? The unique blood that that determines your ethnicity or the shed blood of Jesus Christ which unites us all? And so when when the shed blood of Christ becomes my primary identifier, I see someone as white, but before I see them as white, if they're a believer in Jesus, I see someone who has similarly placed their faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and now we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so for all of us believers in the room, to your left, to your right, different ethnicity, Our common factor isn't the color of our skin. The common factor is the source of our righteousness in Jesus Christ, which then we get adopted into the family of God. So what's the application here? Um, Oh, no, big idea, big idea first. Christians should be the least racist people in the world because our temporary ethnicity isn't our primary identity. You know, I I should have maybe studied this. I don't think I'm going to be Filipino in heaven. (laughs) Or at least I don't think that's what I'm going to be most concerned with. What's going to be most concerning to me is my identity as a son of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And what did Jesus teach us how to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know in heaven there's gonna be no more racism? How many of you are excited about that? No more racism, no more hatred, no more they, no more them. It's going to be us, brothers and sisters in the family of God. So the question becomes, what are you and I doing to bring the us that is one day going to be now here to earth? Can you imagine a community of faith who gets us right? How attractive would that be? How many people are gonna walk through these doors, and I know Crossroads does this well, and come, they might not believe the message that we are speaking, but they will see the unity across nationalities and ethnicities, and will say, something is weird about these folks. And I love what I see here. I love what I see at the movement. It's almost like, is there even a majority culture here? I can't even see it. 
Praise God for it. What you have here at Crossroads is precious. And maybe this message today isn't so much something to uh, convict you. I, I think for some of you it might. But Crossroads as a whole, you guys are getting this done and you are doing it well. And I praise God for, for this multicultural representation of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Amen. So, how do we close this up? Application number three. Uh-oh, the R word. Repent of your racism. Love someone different than you. Repent of your racism. Love someone different than you. For those of you who may be feeling some sort of conviction in this place, knowing that you have not loved people who aren't like you, that shed blood of Jesus that I just talked about, that blood was shed for the forgiveness of our racism. How many of you are thankful for forgiveness in this place tonight? You can be forgiven. But I want you to think about, before moving too quickly to forgiveness, I want you to think about the racism in your life. Where does this pop up? Let's make this real. I've got three minutes and 40 seconds. Let's make this real. Think of a name. Think of a people group. Think of the group that you always characterize as they. When you see them, when you interact with them, and they do what they do, you just move away. Where someone who you're more comfortable with, where someone in your ethnicity, you quickly lean in. If the truth be told, there's a they that you back away from. Who's the they? It could be a group of person, a, a group of people, or it could be one person. And I just need to tell you, that distancing of ourselves, that feeling like I'm better than them, I mean, and let me just put my cards on the table in many ways. Uh, there in Oakland, I could feel this way. I'm ashamed to say it, but it's, if I'm thinking through this for real, it's, it's the homeless population in Oakland. Many of them African-American. And I did an African-American studies minor in college because I have a love for that community. But even the racist feelings in my heart as I see them in the situations, instead of being compassionate, I say they're not like me when the truth is they're more like me. And I'm more like them. How many of you are thankful that Jesus came left the right hand of the Father to be with a bunch of people who were not like him. He incarnated, he became us. How often do we become the person who we don't like and we put ourselves in their shoes? Who is it for you? In a few moments, I'm gonna give you, you're gonna have an opportunity to respond to this message. God forbid we hear, we laugh, oh, that was good, and don't really respond. And so I pray that you would identify the racism, sin in your life, where it lies, that you would be thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ, which can wash that away and cleanse you of that sin. 
And then you say, okay, Lord, in light of that forgiveness, how am I to love like you loved? Oh, would you pray for me as we close? Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we praise you and we thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which number one, it forgives us of our racist attitudes towards people who are not like us. We thank you for forgiveness in this place. And number two, we thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ that although we are represented by different cultures in this room, we are one in Christ. We are family in Christ. May this love, this forgiveness that we have through you in Jesus not only empower us and we receive that forgiveness, Lord, but we pray that we would extend that to a watching world. We love you and we thank you in advance for how your Holy Spirit is going to change us for your glory. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen.